Welcome TTB community. I am Elliot Shibley and here with me as always is the benevolent Robert Domeno. Benevolent. Okay. I do know that one, I think. So. <laughs> All right. So our guest today is Michael Weida and he has traveled to more than 100 countries on six continents. He is an avid traveler and we brought him on today to discuss his book, um, that really focuses on how to plan an efficient trip. It's everything that we we preach on our own show that we've created video courses for and travel planners and journals for. Um, and so him and I clicked. We, we <laughs> ran with it. We had a lot in common. Honestly, it felt like you guys were just like one of you were both the preacher and the other person was the choir. Yeah. That's a good thing, right? I mean, yeah. now you have, it's been solidified. You have two people who are avid travelers who are now preaching how to use Google Trips, how to use Google Flights, all those good things that we've talked about a ton. Um, so if you're into that sort of travel experience, if you like to plan your trips, I think this podcast is going to be great for you. If you're someone who likes to just book a ticket and jump off a plane and not know what you're doing and that's how you get your enjoyment. Jump off a plane? Jump, you know, jump off the plane, not like while it's in the air, but okay. when you land. Is it, you know, if you're more of a, if you're a more spontaneous traveler, this conversation is going to be a new experience for you. You may not be all about it, but if you are a planner, this by all means, this is, this is your bread and butter here. Yep. And the book is called International Travel Secrets Take Shorter Trips More Often for Less. Yes. And before we get into it, the travel tip of the week. Take pictures of your passport and other important documents like confirmations at hotels and rental cars and email them to yourself and some friends or family. So this is something that I've done now multiple times where I'll take a picture of my passport and I'll send it to my own email, my wife's email, and maybe my mom or dad's email so they have it in their inbox. Then I also, as I'm booking trips, I create a travel folder for all my confirmations like so all the airbnb confirmations the rental car confirmations and now they're all saved in my email in the event i lose something i can go open my gmail anywhere in the world and have those confirmation numbers right there for you now you also have them on the airbnb app you have them on the hertz or enterprise app but you know you never know and it doesn't take a lot of effort at least yeah. not for me the other thing to consider is if you do have a Google account, you can store things on your Google Drive and have them make them available offline so you don't need to use Wi-Fi or data. Right. Yep. And that's another thing that, that we've done. So, yeah, uh, that's it for this. So before we get into the conversation, check out some cool things we offer. So first is the Traveler's Blueprint Travel Journal and Planner. It's perfect for those of you that like to keep record of everything. It offers tables for budget tracking, mindful travel tips, and details on how you can create your own itinerary layout. This planner can be downloaded through our website immediately upon purchase for you to fill out by hand, or you can fill it out on the computer. And it makes it just super easy to keep track of everything you need to plan the perfect trip, from confirmation numbers, general insight on the country you plan on traveling to, and then the back of it is just a bunch of pages for you to actually journal about your experience. So the best thing, you can print it over and over again, and it's on sale now for $7.99. That's it. You buy it once, and then you have it for every trip thereafter. Next up, we have the Traveler's Blueprint Video Tutorials, which is a five-part video class presented by an animated version of myself and Bob. The series is perfect to help you fill out the travel planner and journal with information and insight on how you can prepare for navigation, 
booking airfare, restaurant and blog research, itinerary layout, safety, local norms, and of course, being a thoughtful traveler. And that is available through our website for $25. It is a wonderful platform on Thinkific and you get to go through all the courses. Yeah. And so, and they, they pair up very nicely. So if you do get the journal and then you pair that up with the video course, you'll essentially have everything you need to do this on your own, plan your own trip, save a lot of money. Now we take it a step further. And if you actually want to sit down with me one-on-one via Zoom and go over the details of your trip, and I'm talking every aspect of your trip from the dates you want to fly out, how to save money on airfare, how to navigate the city, how to find the best restaurants, everything you could think of. I'll sit down with you and, and be essentially be your travel consultant and help you plan this trip down to every minuscule detail, if that's your thing, of course. So keep that in mind and check out our website for pricing details on that. And as you all know, Bob and I are either Philly local or appreciate Philly from a distance. And we have our very own tour guide, Keschler, who will hook you up with an incredible Philadelphia experience. He offers a variety of tours where you can uncover the little-known history of the city or chat down on some food and cheesesteaks tours. Keschler is offering two tours exclusively through the Traveler's Blueprint, and you can find them on our website. However, if you do want something a bit different, feel free to email us and we can look at changing up the itinerary with you. If you find this podcast entertaining, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. And if you love us, or if you love at least one of us, we'd be forever grateful if you could subscribe to the show and share some of our social media posts as a story on Facebook or Instagram. Because remember, we post clips and images of these podcasts to our social media every week, and we encourage you to give us feedback and ask us any questions you may have for that conversation. Lastly, if you want to be on the show, you can join us and drop us a line for the Travel Around Table series. You can send us your name, website, and a few travel-related topics you'd enjoy discussing. Thank you for listening and enjoy this next podcast. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Michael, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Thank you, guys. Great to be here. Yeah, uh, I, I hinted at this before we got started that I'm really looking forward to this conversation because as our listeners know, I am very particular with my travel planning. I put a lot of effort into every aspect of the travel planning from and trying to minute. find the cheapest flights to making sure I nail down the actual efficiency of my navigation in the city. And, uh, and, so, and so this is kind of my wheelhouse here. Um, you wrote the book, International Travel Secrets, and that's essentially what we're going to break down today and get into today um, and, and your tips and, tri- tri- tips and tricks about travel. Uh, one of the big takeaways is the subtitle, Take Shorter Trips More Often for Less. And so I'm curious to break that down and see what you actually mean by that. Um, but, but before we get into it, maybe, maybe we'll get a little bit of background information on you, you know, maybe give us a brief summary of your travel history and, and essentially what led you to write this book to begin with. Sure. Yeah. You know, I've been traveling all my life, um, not internationally per se, but my family was really big on, you know, just taking time out. Even, even when we were young and didn't have a ton of money, you know, Hey, let's get out of here. Let's go get, let's go camping. It was, they, they made it very important to go out and just kind of, you know, unplug and, and get that rest and relaxation. And it wasn't until many years later, I had a couple of friends invite me on a few international trips. 
I went to a trip to uh, Europe, South America, and it wasn't really a few years later. I went on a trip to Vietnam with like 20 of my friends. Oh, wow. They were all going for New Year's. I don't even think I could convince that many people that I know <laughs> to go on a trip. I don't have 20 friends. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> well, you know what's cool? It wasn't like we all, it just, hey, we're all going. Here's the hotel. Stay in it. Don't come. Don't. And people kind of were just coming and going the whole time. And uh, so it wasn't a, a, a nightmare for planning. It's just, yeah. here's what we're doing. Show up or don't, right? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> but anyway, that trip, that was in uh, 2010 to 2011, the New Year's for 2010 to 2011. And uh, I just was, my mind was blown. Just going to Asia for the first time, I was like, wow, I need to start planning these myself, myself rather than waiting for friends to do it. And my very next trip was probably seven or eight countries just running through them. And, wow. and I, ever since then, I was, I've been taking four international trips a year. And because I can do it so cheaply, it makes sense. So I caught the travel bug officially on that Vietnam trip at the end of 2010. Awesome. So you, you said pretty glibly there that you can do it so cheaply. How do you do it cheaply? There's a lot of tricks, but really the, the two most expensive parts of the trip are the hotel and the flights, right? Mm-hmm. And the majority of the money that I save is on the flights. And there's a lot of tools out there to, to save money. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people I know, fellow travelers, they go on multiple sites. Now, I'm a little lazy, so I utilize Google Flights. And yes, it's true. I found some cheaper flights using Google Flights occasionally. But because it works so well, the majority of the time, I focus on that. And uh, there's a really cool trick for people who don't necessarily know where they want to go. You know, they're like, hey, you know what? I want to go somewhere, but it's not based on where I want to go. It's based on what I can afford. Mm -hmm. Google Flights has a function where um, if you leave the destination blank, you can click on the map. And essentially, the world map will come up with the cheapest fares over the next six months. And you can click on those and kind of choose a destination based on the fare rather than, you know, I haven't been here yet and it's cheap. Let's do it. Right. So it's a really helpful hint. It's a really good way to save money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's you were just doing that last week. That's one of my favorite things to play around with. Um, And I'm going actually. So I have I have a week in September that I can use. We have no plans. And with COVID, we don't know where we want to go. We don't know where, who will accept American travelers, who will accept anybody. There's just so many unknowns right now. And so instead of picking a destination and saying, we're going to figure out how to go here during this time frame, we're being open with it. And from time to time, I jump on Google Earth, or I'm sorry, Google Flights, and I just put the weekend that we want to go or even the month that we want to go. And that's it. And then you zoom out, like you said, and you could just every city in the United States and and throughout the world pops up with their little price. And it's just awesome. (laughs) And that's it. I think that's how we're going to pick it. You know, we'll we'll go with it. We might go with the cheapest or we might go with the easiest as far as access during COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it's a great tool. And and you can already see, even though we haven't booked anything yet because of COVID, we're going to wait that out. Um, you could kind of get an idea of what the prices are going to be and anticipate that even if you don't book it. Yeah. I love that tool. Yeah. Yeah. You could do it by month. You could do it by like two weeks. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You can do it six months out. If you don't know necessarily when you need to go, that gives you mm-hmm. the most options, but 
Yeah, man, I, I really enjoy that a lot. It's definitely sparked a lot of trips to places that I wasn't planning on going originally. <laughs> hey, let, let me go here. Let's check this place out. See what yep. happens. Right. Yeah. And that's so cheap travel comes down to flexibility, right? That's that's the huge the more flexible you are with the with where you want to go, when you want to go. Um, that, that's really how you get the cheapest flights. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's cool about Google flights is that even if you have a vacation week or two weeks that you have to squeeze it into, it still has a lot of functionality that'll help someone save money there. But like you said, if you are more flexible, it's, you know, you have more options to get cheaper flights. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's how you do the flights. Now, what about accommodations? So the hotels, um, it's so funny. It's it. I use Expedia. There's nothing fancy about it because you, you know there's people that go on hotels tonight or they go on these other sites, and some of those sites don't have the coverage that Expedia has. I mean, you can go to random countries in Central Asia or Africa, and Expedia's got you covered. Where not everybody has that coverage, and I use Expedia so much, they give you points that you kind of rack up and and can mm. get discounts on on uh, hotels and things. So. I do save some money through Expedia by using them, but the majority of the money I save is going to be on those flights. Okay. And do you do anything with credit card points and miles, anything like that? So I, I have a very controversial opinion about um, airline miles on credit cards. And, and in fact, I've labeled the chapter in my book, Scam. Airlines. I yes. saw that. <laughs> and it's kind of to get people's attention. And so that's a little harsh. It's more to get, get their attention. But I do delineate it in the book. I've made some enemies in the travel world with this opinion, but I'll, I'll, I'll break it down for you guys. Points aren't bad. It, it's not something that I think people should avoid. It depends on what type of person you are. What I opt for is I opt to get the uh, cash back point or uh, cash back uh, credit the balance to my card or where I get a check at the end of the year that I use for travel. But you have to be disciplined to do that. If you use that money for something else, that's when points are better because then you have no choice but to use them for travel. But here's the reason I do that. Here's the reason why I call it quote unquote scam. And the, the reason for that is, is that they will charge you $750 worth of points for a flight that you can find on your own for about $300. So there were so many times where they were overcharging me, yanking those points out. Uh, and that's why they do it in miles and points so that you can't see the dollar for dollar thing. There's a whole reasoning behind that. So you don't know how much you're spending. And when I did the calculation over several times, I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm just going to get the cash back and use $750 in cash back to pay for a flight rather than, you know, have potentially them double two charging. flights instead of yes, one. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're, if you're disciplined, it's better to get the cash back in my opinion, or get the check back at the end of the year and then parlay that into travel. But if you are not good at saving and you're not disciplined, points are a good way to go. And then there's tricks with points. You can get open new cards and get the bonuses. I know a lot of people do that. That affects your credit score if you keep opening cards and closing them. So it's, it's I'm not going to say one way is better than the other. It's they both have their positives and negatives. And my method of choice is to get the cash back on the cards. Yeah. Well, I know there are people out there that like Bob and myself are very different when it comes to points versus miles and credit cards. Like I have... My wife and I use one credit card for everything, and we typically do get the cash back. Smart. We get we get the bonus offers, and that's it. I don't want to track the cards. I don't want to keep them open. And we we've had several people on that have talked about travel rewards, and they do. We've asked the question: Doesn't it hurt your credit score to open new cards constantly? 
And it does for a few months, but then having those open accounts actually helps your score later on Correct. as long as yeah. you don't close them. But yes. Bob, on the other hand, will you, you have a card for like gas, for groceries, for your everyday stuff. And yeah, you keep track I, of all of that, right? And I have a great, very high credit score. Yeah, and, and I, I, I do it for the bonuses. I think the bonuses are huge. So I, I open the new credit card, I grab that bonus, I throw it into my bank of points, and I make sure that I have a card that can go to Delta and American and then one that goes to Spirit and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you separate them and you figure out some go with some hotels, some go with the others. And then, and then, yeah, I look into like the Chase Sapphire Preserve goes really far with groceries. My groceries. Pre- preferred or reserve? Um, the, the, which is the, the lesser one, the one with the, the $95 annual fee, not the $500 annual, annual fee. Oh, I, I don't, I don't the, know. I think it's the preferred. Okay. I think it's the preferred. You just combine them there. You said preserve. <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah, whatever. I, I, I yeah, I, I, <laughs> So that one, the the lower one, and I think it's the preferred. Um, you get two points for every dollar you spend on groceries. So that one I obviously use for groceries and nothing else. And then I have a Capital One card that I use only for gas um, and nothing else because it gets gets me additional points with gas. And yeah, so I, I have, I probably have like 10 credit cards now. Bob, I'm have, with you, Bob. I do the same yeah, thing. I have one of for have, food because it gives right. me a higher percentage on food, one for groceries. I'm totally with you on that. None of them have any balances. They all get paid off every yes. single month. Um, and That's the only way it makes sense. Oh, you yeah. Have you to can't, only you way. can't roll it in. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you if you start to have to pay the interest, you essentially eliminate any of the perks. So if you're listening yeah. to this, and first of all, uh, don't take any financial advice from me, <laughs> please. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, you don't come after me if it goes wrong, but, but heed this advice now. If you are not financially responsible enough to pay off your credit card every single month, this will actually hurt you, not yes. benefit you. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Wise words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you heard it here. That's, that's so, my statement. <laughs> although I do not use individual credit cards for individual applications, what I do recommend if you do that is get like Google Pay or Apple Pay and add yes. all those credit cards to your phone because you can get location reminders to use them at specific destinations. No way. I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. I didn't know that either. And it, it's the yeah. same. It's the same. You can set that setting. It's the same as if like you're at a gas station and you have that rewards card. It'll ping you and then you can remember, oh yeah, that I need to use this credit card too. That's great. That's good advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yes. I, I personally don't want to have to track paying every the, all of those every month. Even though you can set them to pay at the same time every month, I still – I wouldn't See, do it. I'm an Excel spreadsheet guy with my finances, so I have to sit down every month anyway. And I'm very hands-on. Where I know, Elliot, you – like yours more automated. Yes, very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to each his own because I totally get Elliot's way of like, you know what? I don't want to play with it and have to remember all these things. And Right. You know, I'm super organized and I love, you know, I don't mind it. There's some things that I don't mind taking the extra effort to choose a different card for a different purchase. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like totally based on your personality and uh, and what your preferences are, you know? There's no right way to do it. Yep. No, the only right way is the way that works for you. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so let's, let's continue That's like the the thing to take away from this entire conversation is (laughs) figure out what works for you. Right. If you yeah. if you hate tracking cards like me, don't do it. If you are very organized and love Excel spreadsheets, do it the way that Michael and Bob do it. Right. Yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what's 
up with the take shorter trips aspect of the book? Okay, so it's funny. Um, uh, in my book, I open up with shattering a, b- a bunch of uh, common travel myths. And um, a lot of people think that if you're going to make the effort to fly far away, go to Europe or go to Asia or Australia, that you have to do it and spend three weeks and spend 15 grand and do all these different things. And that's not necessarily true. That's why I take four trips a year because it, it allows me to pick up and leave. And there's, there's tactics to see cities in shorter times. I kind of stole this idea from Tim Ferriss, uh, his book called the four hour work week. And his, he, he, he preaches that, hey, why are we going to work hard all our lives, save up all this money for retirement, and then we're too old to enjoy it by the time it happens, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I took a lot from that book, and that's what made me start to tra- it made me start to travel more often. Actually, was you know, if you take a shorter trip and you do it more, you're taking those mini retirements that Tim Ferriss refers to throughout the year. And so I always tell people, they go, well, I can't get that time off. Well, if you go weekend to weekend, if you just take five days off, that's a that's a, a five-day work week off, and you pin the weekends in on that, that's nine days. If yeah. you go weekend to weekend, that's nine days. You can take a trip in nine days to Europe. Yes, it might be fast-paced, but you could stay in one city for, those, you know, for, right. that, for that entire time. You can choose to move around and spend a day in each city. And so this whole thing that like, oh, it doesn't count if you go to Venice and you only spent two days there. No, you can always come back. I mean, I've been to Istanbul probably about five or six times, but I've never stayed longer than four days. And in fact, some of those other times I'm there on an 18 hour layover and I just go slam the city and go to a particular hookah cafe that I like and a wine bar that I like, and then I'll try something new. So this whole thing that you have to do it all in one time is what I think holds people back. And that's what has allowed me to see more countries and more cities because of that philosophy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I do, this philosophy is again, right up my alley. And I I think that this is more geared towards America, towards Americans, because we do, we're stuck with a shorter time frame that we can take off. Yeah. I know that there's, there's a lot of arguments and there's people that might be listening to this that are slow travelers that are like, no way you need to immerse yourself. You need to take your time. And again, to each your own. Yeah, that's okay. Right, right. It's I want people who are willing to experiment with it to try it. But if they're like, oh, that's my jam. You know, I've tried it the other way. I don't like it. You know, totally. Right. Then just use the tactics on uh, saving money on flights at least. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. But I, I think it can be a combination, right? You don't have to have one or the other. If you want to go to a city for yes. four days, you can stay in that city for four days and explore it as slow as you want. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it's wonderful. Like, I, I talked about this many times on the podcast, but I studied abroad in Germany for four months while I was in undergrad. And on the weekends, I basically got a blind booking flight and flew to whichever city I could for as cheap as possible. And then I stayed there for three days and I just stayed in that city and just walked around as much as I could. Yeah. And yeah, you, know, you go eat in the cafes, you sip on some coffee on the yeah. corner and watch the world go by. It's a really good way to see yeah. people and watching I, is the best activity to do while traveling. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, eating and but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> eating while people watching. <laughs> right, right, right. No, nine days is a lot of time to spend in one city when you don't have anything else to do other than explore the city. Yes. You know, you're not working all day and then having the time. Um, but yeah, it, I, I, I personally always feel as though I get a lot out of my experiences, even though I spend short time some, somewhere in the two to four days sometimes mm-hmm. in a city. I never feel, I mean, uh, of course, 
you you acknowledge that there's so much more to do that you would do if you had more time. But I always leave satisfied with the experience that I have that it was it was authentic and I understood the culture to to a degree and, and enjoyed the architecture. So yeah, there's there's an absolutely a, a way to do this and still benefit from it and and learn from your experience and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. So while staying on the same page of keeping the trip costing less, uh, you have a section in your book about avoiding baggage fees, ATM fees, and forward transaction fees. Can we touch on that? Sure. Yeah. Um, So baggage fees is, uh, there's two things, there's two tricks I use. One is a common one. Um, Bring less. Don't check a bag. I bring an oversized backpack because that kind of counts as my quote unquote personal item, even though it's pushing the limit, but I've never been stopped for it. And then you get that a smaller suitcase that uh, can obviously fit in the overhead bin. And uh, that's the way if you get rid of, if you you don't check your bag, they're not going to charge you for that, obviously. Sometimes too, I always wait to get on the plane last. I don't know why people pay to get on there first, because if I'm going to be on a plane for 12, I think that's ridiculous. And if you wait till the end, the overhead space starts to fill up and then they'll check your bag at the gate for free anyway. So that's the second tip for that. But the foreign transaction fees and ATM fees, um, you guys will be familiar probably with the foreign transaction fees. There's a couple credit cards that don't charge you those. And I use credit cards as much as possible when I travel. Mm -hmm. So um, those foreign transaction fees add up. Capital One has uh, a couple cards that don't charge foreign transaction fees. I know that Synchrony Bank does, and there's a few others. So um, the website for my book has a list of credit cards that tells what, you know, what the annual fees are, who charges foreign transaction fees, who don't. It's a, it's a helpful tool. Uh, but the, the one that a lot of people aren't aware of, it's kind of a lesser known tip is the ATM fees. If you open up a, a Charles Schwab account, uh, you have to open up a, a regular checking account in order to get your investment account. And you don't have to use the investment account or even put money in. You just open up, you know, throw a hundred bucks in this um, Charles Schwab checking account and they reimburse you for your ATM fees. Mm -hmm. Because normally what happens, you know, my normal bank is Chase. If I go to the ATM in another country, Chase is going to charge me five bucks. The other bank is going to charge me five bucks plus the, the currency conversion fee. So every transaction, you better make sure and pull some, you know, enough money out. Otherwise that's going to add up. But with this Charles Schwab account, that's $10 you're saving from every withdrawal. And that's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. adds up quickly. All my finances are with Charles Schwab. And that was USA has something similar. Very good. Yeah. And that's a lot of people aren't aware of that. And, they, and uh, you know, they don't charge a fee, a monthly fee. So you just keep the account open, throw a couple bucks in there and then transfer some money over when you take your trip. And it's, yeah. it's a way to go. Yeah, I think they even gave us a hundred dollars or something like that to open it up. I forget. There might have been. Oh, I wasn't cool enough. Thing. They must have liked yeah. you. A little <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I can't remember, uh, but yeah, I think something like that. <laughs> Interesting. So, so do you have any insight in the book as far as once you're on the ground in the location, um, navigation wise, from a yes. learning experience wise? Yeah. You know, so one one of the things I, I advocate heavily is using layovers as a tool. And a lot of people just sit in the airport and I sometimes will even choose a longer layover so I can go do that. So these tips that you're asking me about, they work really well with layovers, but they also work if you're, you know, when, if you're going to stay in the city for several days. I have a, a checklist that I uh, use when I uh, touch down anywhere. You know, do I need a visa? Do I need any shots? 
Um, what's the travel time from the city, uh, from the airport to the city center? Do they have Uber? Is it taxis? Is it trains? Like what's the best way to get there? Um, so being on the ground is knowing the, the answers to that information mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, saying, Hey, you know, if I'm going to catch an Uber, especially on a layover, it's 28 minutes to the city center typically. Okay. That's going to be about 28 minutes on the way back. I might bump it to 40 so I don't miss my flight. Right. And then I can plan around there once I remove the travel time. So it's really just knowing your location, even the safety level. You know, the, the Department of State has safety levels from one to four for every country. And there's a website you type it in. It'll tell you all the dangers that are going on there, if any. Uh, they tend to play it up. So don't let them scare you yeah. away. It's not always as bad as they say. But a level one means safe. And level four, they'll tell you do not travel. Right, <laughs> yeah. So it's good to know the safety level and what's going on. I like to know local scams. I'll give you an example of a local scam in Turkey. The uh, they all their bills are different colors, but the five dollar bill and the fifty dollar bill happen to be the same color and the same size. So a common scam that people would do at the shops or in the taxi cabs is you would give them a fifty and they switch it real quick for a five and go, hey, you only gave me a five, and you're you'll be like, oh, I thought that was a fifty, but okay, oh my bad, and then you'll pay them again, right? But if you research local scams in whatever city you're going into, that popped up. So I knew to argue with the taxi cab driver and get in his face. He he threatened to call the cops over. So I said, yeah. And I walked out and found one and pulled him over. He's like, no, 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 we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. And then he just left. So, you know, <laughs> wow. stuff like that. Knowing nice. the local scams can kind of help save you some money or or even get from getting into trouble. I mean, because there's worse local scams than that. So, yeah. Right. And I, yeah. I will say with the with the State Department website and the CDC, the most of the travel ratings right now are at least a two or a three because of COVID-19. Correct. So I don't yes. think there are any that are level one right now. I haven't seen any level twos, but I, maybe I haven't been on as much, but they're all three and four the last time I checked. It's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> so again, you have to use your own determination. There's a lot of times they'll say it'll be a level four because there's um, a skirmish on the border that's far away from the, the city that you're flying into. And for some people, that's enough to spook them and stay away. But if it's not in the city, if it's you know a thousand miles away from the city I'm in and they're not experiencing any trouble, I'm going to go. Yeah. Well, to me, it's like, I mean, the United States have, has had several protests and some of them turned violent over the last several years. And to me, if you're going to go to Seattle and there's a protest in D.C. and you're not going to travel to Seattle because there's a protest in D.C., that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Same in any other country. Yes. Right. right. Yeah. It, it, do a little bit of research because what you're going to see, you're always going to see the worst of the worst for any yep. for any country you're going to. I mean, that's what makes it on the news. No one's talking about the best stuff. Yeah. 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 It's important. And, but the, the I, I love the state gov's website, website and the CDC's website. Um, those two websites alone can almost give you everything you need regarding yes. safety and local norms yeah. and laws and vaccinations and visa requirements. Every yeah, g- yeah, great, great, great resources. Um, and then going back to what you said with the Google, with the planning the times, um, it's so easy now going back to Google's platform with Google Maps to know how long it takes to walk, go by bus, go by yeah. car, go by airplane, go by train to any, yeah, any so location. Nice. <laughs> and if you just take the time and you get all your destinations, whether it's multiple cities or multiple landmarks within a city, and and you just run run the the, the you know the day. I want to go to here. You know, I don't know. Let's just say the Coliseum first. 
Then I want to go down to maybe Naples and you can run and, and know exactly how long you're going to be traveling. Then you could even get information for about how long does it take to, to see Pompeii uh, and then travel back. And so you really can get very specific and before you even go, have a really good idea of how long these things are going to take you. And you'll have a better understanding how to operate and how to, yeah. you know, yeah. go about your day. I want to, so yeah, two you know, things there I want to touch up on. So if you're in Pen, in Pennsylvania, probably is a good one. If you're in any other state or location that's not like D.C. or New York or Chicago, you probably never use the public transportation portion of Google Maps. And it is really valuable in other countries because it'll show you all the stops. It'll show you buses. It'll show you the trains. It'll show you the metros. And then with that, I think there's a lot of people that get scared of international data charges and how much it costs to actually have an international phone live and like the roaming charges, all that stuff. So when I traveled internationally, for the most part, I almost always just, I almost never get the international plan, but I primarily use Wi-Fi. But mm -hmm. I've learned over the years that it's really not that expensive to get an international data plan. Yeah, they, they range. They can cost you several hundred dollars with some carriers. Um, T-Mobile and Sprint, it, they don't charge you for international data. It's, it's just part of their normal plan, oh, which wow. is great. Yeah, so so oh, that's why I use them, and and yeah, there's coverage issues at home sometimes, but I you know when I was traveling four times a year, it made up for it. But mm -hmm. Verizon and AT and T, they'll charge you 120 bucks for you know so many days or for the entire month. I, I, yeah, I think Verizon was ten dollars a day if you use it. So I I yeah. had to notify Verizon that I was going to be traveling abroad. I gave them the dates and the country. They confirmed that they had coverage there, and then. I was able to use my phone. So I would turn my data off. I would turn roaming off. And if I needed my phone, I would turn it on knowing that I was going to get charged $10 that day. So then I would try to take advantage of it. Yes. Um, and then the next day, go back to turning it off, only use Wi-Fi. And if I couldn't go an entire day without using it, it was great. But if not, I knew it was going to be $10. Um, and it, it, that comes down to the scope of your trip. I yes. think if you're stuck in one city and you do a good job of planning and you know everywhere you need to go and you already yes. make sure you're fully aware of where and how you're going to go about your trip, it'll be a lot easier to stay off your phone and maybe only use it on, on Wi-Fi in cafes. Yeah. And, As opposed yeah, in to countries that allow that. Yeah. <laughs> Not every country has Wi-Fi everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. True. Yeah. yeah. But if yeah. you're a roamer and you're not planning anything and you want to go somewhere each day, somewhere new that you have no idea before you get there, then mm -hmm. yeah, having a data plan is probably valuable. Yeah, and that's yeah. what he uh, Bob brought up a good point. They they usually offer two plans. One is that that day pass where if your trip is short enough, that makes sense. But if you're going to be gone for thirty days, you know that's three hundred dollars. So there's a point where I think it switches to one hundred and twenty or one hundred and fifty. If you know you're going to be gone for several weeks, it makes more sense to do that. But okay. if you're taking a five day trip, you don't want to do that if you can only spend ten dollars a day. You know, so you kind of have to weigh it with you know their specific trip time. Right. Okay. Okay. And uh, go, going back to something we we mentioned, the layover thing, using yes. layovers. So I love that, and I've done that. And um, so I I went to Thailand and was able to find a flight. It was um, Emirates, and they offered like a day and a half in Abu Dhabi. So instead of going straight to Thailand and having a small layover because there's no direct flights from the United States to Thailand, we we use that to explore. 
Abu Dhabi. And it's the local airlines. So it was because the airline is located in Abu Dhabi, they or maybe Dubai, they entice you to see their country. When yes. we went to Hungary, we used a Swedish airline or a Nordic airline. I forget. Is there Nordic Airways? Is that one? Um, Norwegian? Some sort of Norwegian, Norwegian. Norwegian Airways, yeah. yeah. So we used them and they gave us almost two days in Sweden. And then yes. on the way back, gave us a day and a half in London. So we had no intentions of going to these countries. Yeah. But because we were able to use those airlines, we added two countries to our trip. And again, yes. if you plan it the way that we've been preaching yes. so far, you can really use your time and see yeah. the country or see the city in, in a really fun way. Yeah. And I love, you know, tailoring it to the number of hours, because if you have a four hour layover, maybe it's just enough time to go to a pub and have a beer and just hang out for a little bit and then go back to the airport. But there's times where we've taken organized tours or we'll go smoke some hookah on the river, you know, in Dubai and have some hummus with meat in the middle at midnight. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I remember coming back from Mongolia one time we had a layover in Beijing and there were, there's these tours. These people are starting to catch on now where they they, they uh, have these layover tours. This guy picked us up at the airport, took us to the Great Wall of China on a six-hour layover, showed us around, gave us a personal tour, dropped us back off at the airport so we didn't have to worry about trying to catch the cab or manage our time. This guy did it for us. And nice. it was such a great experience to, to have an individualized tour and not have to worry about the time and say, hey, sorry, guy, we got to go. He was right. already on top of it. That's great. So yeah. we, I, I often, if I have a layover, it's typically like maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half. I don't think I've ever had really long layovers where I've left the airport. And the question I've always had is when you're coming back through, you still have to go through security, security right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So, yeah. Yes. You have to so you want to research, hey, how busy is that airport? Is it is right. it a, is it a 45 minute line? Is it a, a five minute line? And I'll tell you what. I've never missed a flight on a layover. I've missed a couple of flights before. Some stories behind that. Maybe we can get into another time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I've never missed a flight on a layover because, I, you know, I'm hypersensitive to it and I just pay attention. And part of that research that I was talking about to the city center and back is how long is the customs line? Because the customs line is different from checking mm-hmm. in, Right. And going through security and doing that. Well, you're checked in already because you're on a layover. But I mean, going through security and then going through customs are two different things. If it's a country where they typically they're just backward in their process and it takes 45 or 50 minutes, you got to allow for that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that means you're not able to leave. But in most cases, most countries are pretty efficient in getting people through. You know, there's only been a few handful of experiences where like, what are they doing? You know what I mean? But other than that, they, they slam people through pretty quickly. Right. Better than yeah. we do sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, everything changed after 2001. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a few things with that. One, just jumping back, it's cheaper too to get flights with layovers. Yes. Typically, people you don't save want money. Them. I right. sign up for them. I'm like, I'd rather have a layover sometimes. Yeah, right. Exactly. You save money. And then make it, you know, going back to the, the process of having to leave the airport, understanding the time, understanding the time it takes to get from the airport to the city center. All of these processes that we've, processes that we've talked about sort of all work together to make the most efficient trip possible. And it, when you utilize them and structure them, that's when it, like the magic happens and it's, it's, it's perfectly seamless. Uh, you, you always account for unknowns, but. It, it really works best when you utilize everything and you understand how much time it takes to navigate a city, 
Uh, you have an understanding of the city. You already predetermined the landmarks that you want to see and the routes you're going to take. And yeah, it, especially with these types of trips, like this is a very specific travel type. Yes, very, very much so. Some people don't want to deal with the stress of trying to manage the time right. and all that stuff. And that's okay. You know what? Right. That's totally fine. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, if you sit in the airport for 12 hours on a 12 hour layover, I, I, I don't pity you if that's your decision. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there are people that do it. There are people that would just are happy going to the bar in the airport or trying to take a nap and not for me. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's not my style either. <laughs> no. You have to seize, seize on opportunities when they, when they, there's doors open. Yeah. You know what? If I missed my next flight on a layover and I had to pay another 700 bucks for a last minute ticket to get out of there, all the experiences I've had on layovers thus far have more than paid for that. So it's just, it's something that may happen. And if it does, it does. And that's part of life, man. It's part of getting that experience down. Yeah. Uh, I want to take yeah. a quick tangent because someone once told me that if you've never missed a flight in your life, you haven't lived. <laughs> I've never right. missed a flight. I haven't either. I've, <laughs> I've almost missed several, but I've never missed one. I, I almost would missed one. I was in, I didn't even leave the airport. I had a layover and I was going to New Orleans to meet my wife. Um, I was traveling for work and she was just meeting in the, meeting me in New Orleans and I was getting drunk in the airport bar with like two dudes from Texas just having the time of my life. And eventually I looked at the clock and I was like, I forgot like what time my flight was and I walked out. And as I was walking to my gate, they were like, last call for Bob Domena to board the flight. I'm like, oh, no. So I, I was this close to not making it. And and my wife would have been waiting for me in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, that close. She, she would have killed you. Yeah, she, she, yeah she, she flew there. She would have just been stuck. Uh, I had the car. I had everything. So yeah. I can't tell you how many times they've, they've called my name last night. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> most of the time I make it, but there's been a couple times I don't. <laughs> so what happens when you don't make it? You know, uh, you have to get over being pissed and knowing <laughs> that it's probably going to cost you a lot of money. So I kind of go through like, you know, five minutes of just letting myself rant because if you don't have a clear head, you're not going to come up with creative solutions. Mm. And then boom, it's like, okay, jump on there. When's the next flight out? Does it make sense? Do I need to change you know, the place I'm going to, you know, typically it's always been on the way home when I miss a flight and maybe that's subconscious. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get back, but it's happened to me. And sometimes where it wasn't my fault, I, I had a, uh, an experience in uh, Trinidad and Tobago. They, we go up there and they go, oh, we don't, we don't have your reservation. And I pull up my email. I go, well, look, here's my confirmation. Here's all this. Well, we don't have any evidence that you paid. I go, isn't this confirmation evidence that I paid? Like, what? And she's like, no, you need to show us your credit card statement. I'm like, I, I go, do you carry your credit card statements around when you travel? And she goes, no. I go, okay, <laughs> this is not going anywhere. So we had to book another flight. Luckily, it was about the same price. You know, I thought it would last minute, it would be worse. We had an extra like three or four hours. So we went back to the city and hung out, but it was like, you know, I was calm. I was kind of pissed at how, how they handled that and that I had paid for it and got an email from them saying I got a reservation and that it wasn't there. But I just said, okay, cool. Let me handle this. I went on. It took me about 20 minutes. I found a replacement flight. We paid for it, got our ticket, went back to the city, went to a restaurant. We really enjoyed, had a bottle of wine, ate some food, went back, took the flight, no skin off our back. So right. handling it is just keeping a cool head and coming up with creative solutions. And um, yeah, 
yeah, you know, hey, can I change my layover city on the way home to save some money and maybe visit someone I know? I've done that before too, you know? Yeah. So, right. Yeah. As Bear Grylls likes to say, adapt, improvise, and overcome. International travel, you got to have thick skin. You can't get pissed off at too many things because there's one guarantee in international travel. Things will not go as planned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can 100% guarantee that. Right. <laughs> I think that I think this is a great transition and segue. So part of your book is about trip cancellation policies and insurance policies and then um, trip interruption insurance. And then after that, after we get through all that, I want to talk about medical insurance because it's something that is almost never talked about in the travel world. Yes. Um, yeah, you're so right. So trip cancellation. Good. Okay. So trip cancellation covers your trip up until the point that you leave. So, you know, you got a trip plan in a week and someone in your family passes away and you have to deal with that. That's trip cancellation insurance where, um, you know, it'll reimburse you for any non-refundable costs of a trip. Now, trip interruption insurance begins the second you get on that plane. So let's say you're gone and a family member passes away. What that'll do is it'll cover it'll cover all the non-refundable expenses um, once the trip has started. So they're very similar. I am not, here's the thing. Uh, again, this is a personal preference thing. I have never done either. Luckily, I've never had to come home early. Um, I have saved so much money by not getting the insurance that even if something happened today, I'm still I, I'm still coming up ahead because that stuff adds up. The only time I would insure a trip is if I say, you know, book some luxury trip or luxury cruise for like 15 grand and it was non-refundable. Maybe I would do that. But most of my trips, I'm spending between 1800 and 3000 if I'm doing, you know, it depends on if I'm going around the world or just hitting up a couple countries. I'm not going to spend and insure all those flights and all those hotels because I've just never had a problem with it. But some people, they're so scared of losing that money, that extra cash they pay for the insurance is worth their peace of mind. So mm-hmm. there's no right or wrong. I'm not telling someone they're a moron if they do it. Hey, if it makes you feel better and you can sleep better, definitely pay the money. For me, I've never had an issue. So I just roll with it and I stay away from it. Mm-hmm. And I, I found trip cancellation is often covered in the credit cards that you purchased flights or hotel bookings with. A lot of them. It yeah. is. And there's so many restrictions you got to be aware of too. Oh, well, if you cancel for this reason, we're not going to cover you. Or if it's like <clears throat> this, we're not going to cover you. And that's one of the reasons I speak kind of against it in the book is because there's so many nuances of, oh, we're not going to cover you because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm, you know, I don't want to deal with that. So I'm just going to, if it, if it doesn't come through, I'll work it out with the airline right now with COVID happening. You can, there's no change fees with airlines anyway, mm-hmm. and people Hopefully are being that a sticks. lot more flexible. So I'd say it's more relevant these days than it was say a year and a half ago. Yeah. 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 The first time I ever had to cancel a trip was a medical reason. And I got, I think I got everything, even the specific events I had planned at my destination, all of it was refunded. Oh, great. Really. And it was less, it was probably a week, maybe two weeks beforehand. So I had some time to figure it out. Good. Very good. No, that's good. That worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So the medical insurance stuff, we've talked about it many times on the show and we were curious to see your thoughts, especially for international travel. Okay, good. Here's what a lot of people don't know um, is that in most cases, your health insurance here in the U.S. will cover you for major problems abroad. Um, but check your policy. Not all of them do, but the majority of them do. And what that means is 
you know, you can't go get a nose job in another country and get it covered. It's like, you know, major stuff. If you break a leg or if, if you lose a finger or if you get cut in something that requires you to go to the emergency room, then it's covered on your uh, insurance. Even if you have an HMO, a lot of them will cover it because obviously they don't have a network in the country that you're going to. Mm -hmm. So most major problems are going to be covered when you travel abroad. Um, there's limitations though. You have to be very careful and read the fine print because if you're living or if you're staying there for a certain amount of time, if you're going for a week or two, it's usually not a problem. Some of them have limits of 21 days or 30 days where they consider you living there and then you're not covered. And that's when you want to get an, a, a separate policy. So um, if you don't want to read the fine print, you just want to be safe, go get some medical insurance to cover you while you're gone. You know, it covers airlifting and all that other stuff uh, in most cases. Uh, I've never done it. I might do it if I were going to be gone long-term or if I were doing some hardcore adventure stuff where I, yeah. you know, I know I might get hurt and I'm in the middle of nowhere. I might pay for that. I haven't done it yet, but that's because uh, my policy, I check it even every before every trip, because as you know, policies always change. So just because that was true in 2019 doesn't mean it's going to be true in 2020 or 2021. So I yeah, say that with caution, always yeah. verify before you go because you never know how they updated it to keep the premium low this time around. And right. I think I think travel insurance and or medical travel insurance in the United States, we we as Americans think we have to have it because without health insurance in the United States, you don't get treated. But yes. most other countries that you're going to be traveling to probably have some form of medical health care that is available to you that's actually going to be cheaper even yes. without insurance. Mm -hmm. And so just just consider that with your destination, do some research on that as well. Yes. And some countries even require you to get a medical insurance policy as part of their entry requirements so that you're not a burden when you come in. Yeah. That's good to know. I'm sure America is probably one of those. Yeah. Maybe. I think uh, there's, there's a couple of them in the Middle East, I think, and some in North Africa. I know there's more than that, but that's the only times I've encountered it. So yeah. that's important to know. Some a lot of countries they require you to show proof. They just that you're not going to be a financial burden. Sometimes it's in the form of insurance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to um, show bank statements to show that you have enough money to actually get out of the country. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's interesting to know. I, I've seen some pretty strange things. Russia has a tough visa policy. Yeah. They um, it's expensive for one, but it's a process. You have to list every single country that you've been to in the last 10 years in the order of which you went and the dates that you went. So for me, that was pretty hard. That took me going through some, some, some a lot of research to try and figure that out. So do Russia first. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. Wow. I wonder what the, the, the reasoning is behind that. Do you think it's, they just I, want to I, know where you've been and who you are. You know, it's, yeah. it's all about the, you know information. Everything in those types about of you. states, and they they want to know everything on everybody, and that's part of what it is. A lot of the uh, Arab countries require you to tell if you've been to Israel or not, mm. and uh, that was an issue when Israel used to stamp your passport, but now they don't. They give you an entry card, so you can choose to say that you have or say that you haven't based on that. But some countries don't recognize Israel as a state, so they won't let you in if you've been there before. So. Wow. Be aware of that. I did not know that. I didn't either. Huh. So before we get into our rapid fire round, do you have any other tips and tricks that you want to provide us with? You know, here's one that people seem to like. Um, this is something I just came up with. You know, I got my wallet stolen in Brazil one time and uh, on the beach. I decided to start carrying around what I call like a throwaway wallet or a mm -hmm. fake wallet. 
the decoy. And what I do is I put, you guys know when you come back and you, you exchange your money back into US dollars, there's always some bills that are too small to qualify or the amount's not big enough. So what I do is I just collect those bills and I throw them into this wallet. So it's probably only like maybe overall two or $3 worth of bills, but it looks like I've got money in there. And then I'll put like uh, either an expired credit card or some old gym card or something like that to look like the wallet's real and I carry it in my pocket and I'll, I'll have my actual cash and credit cards either in my sock or hidden somewhere more secure so that if ever I get robbed or pickpocketed, they take this throwaway wallet and it looks like they got something. And by the time they realize that they don't, I'm long gone. <laughs> so it's kind of a cool tip and trick if you're going somewhere that's uh, maybe that a little issue. more on the dangerous side or there's more petty theft. Right. Yeah. Similar to that. Um, my wife and I were looking at diamond rings on Amazon, but the fake ones, you know, yes. ones that are like $10, $15. Yeah. Just because to walk around with a ring that is expensive, you're, you're a target for some people. Yeah, yeah. And so to buy a cheap ring, I think we decided like she's just not going to wear her wedding. That's ring, better you know? because yeah. you'll be a target because they'll see that. Yeah. Either yeah, way. The <laughs> fake one. Right. They'll see yeah. the fake one. Yeah. And so I think that's ultimately depending on the country um, that you go to, uh, it could be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's hundred percent right. All right. Uh, Michael, before we get into the, the rapid fire round, um, can you give us your social media, where people can buy your book? Tell us the title of your book again. Um, any information that you want to share where people can do, do their research on you. Great. Perfect. Yeah. The, the book is International Travel Secrets. Uh, there's, a, there's a print copy, an ebook, and an audio book. All can be bought on Amazon. Um, Instagram and Twitter, it's Layover Guru. So it's Layover underscore Guru. And then just on Facebook, Michael Weeda. Uh, last name is a uh, different kind of spelling, W-E-D-A-A. But those are all the places you can find me if you want to check it out further. And my yeah, website and is internationaltravelsecrets.com if you want to find any of those free travel tools. Okay. And I noticed that if you have Kindle Unlimited, the book is for, is free. That's right. Correct. Yeah. So, so right. if you're listening to this and you're already paying for Kindle Unlimited, there you go. Nice. Go download it. Yeah. All right. Mike, are you ready for the rapid fire? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. What is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word travel? Ooh, relaxation. What home comfort do you miss the most while traveling? Food. <laughs> the, the, the food that I'm used to. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that. Yep. Oh, yeah. If you could swim in any liquid, what would it be? Wow. Chocolate. Yeah. What travel book has had the biggest impact on your life? I'm going to say four hour work week uh, because it has a portion on travel there that that changed my way of looking at travel. Yeah, you're literally the second person in a row to say that. that, yeah. that. That's funny. Yeah, we've, yeah. This book has been I got to read it. I, I still haven't read it. And people you, talk about it all the time. Bob, you mentioned it probably six times every conversation. Yeah, it's an easy it's, read. And you can skip around if you need to. It, it's I, a good book. I've heard of people reading it once a year uh, yes. just, and pulling stuff out of it every time. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, say hello in your favorite language. Oh, wow. Annyeonghaseyo. Um, <laughs> Is that South Korean? It's Korean, yeah, Korean, yeah. I wouldn't say it's my favorite language. I'm just like, wow, which one do I remember? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you could travel in the world with anyone living or dead, who would it be? Oh, you know what? My boy David, he's, uh, he's down for anything. He's down to rock out. He's down to just hang out. He's one of my favorite people to travel with. All right. Good for David. <laughs> what is one item remaining on your bucket list? 
Uh, to see every country in the world. Nice. Do you know how many you're at? Yes, I'm at... Uh, so I had a trip canceled, and I had that number in my head. I had a trip canceled because of COVID. I believe I'm at like 93 or 94 right now. Okay. okay. But I was nice. going to be at 98 when that trip was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost halfway there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Okay, uh, where are we? So if you could pick an actor to play you in a movie, who would you choose? Oh, I'll just go with Ed Norton. <laughs> nice. Solid actor. That is yeah. solid. If you were stuck in one city for the rest of your life, which city would you choose? Baku. Baku, where is that? Baku's in Azerbaijan. It's uh, in Central Asia. Beautiful oh. city. I mean, oh, just cool. it's on the... Uh, Caspian Sea, I believe, and it's just the perfect mixture of Persian meets Russian meets Asian meets Eastern Europe. I mean, it's just the history and awesome. the, the beauty of the city. It's amazing. Go check it out. Very safe. Very cool. Great food. Awesome history. Great architecture. And how do you pronounce it again? The 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 city is Baku, Baku. and the uh, the country is Azerbaijan. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Familiar with the Baku. country. Yeah. Okay, and this is the last question. What is one piece of advice you give to yourself 10 years ago? Take it easy. Don't work so hard. <laughs> take some time to breathe. <laughs> Bob, you could take that advice now. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people can. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's good advice. And that's, that's one that, you know, I think if we take anything from this question, a lot of people have sort of said in their own words, it's slow down kind of enjoy the process, uh, take it easier. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself. So there's yes. a recurring theme there. Yeah. A lot of go-getters on this podcast. Lots. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why they're on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Michael. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate your time today. Uh, looking forward to, to going through your book. Thank you. Great. Thank you for coming on. No, Bob and Elliot had a blast. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. This guy speaks my own language. I mean, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> yeah, we we hit it off. I, I I felt like I was talking to two Bobs or two Michaels. <laughs> yeah. No. So I think one conclusion we can make is that Google Travel Platform is is proven, right? Is a proven resource. I use it. He uses it. Great conversation. And if you are a planner, definitely learn how to use it too. You'll save money. You'll save money, and you'll plan a better trip. Yeah. I mean. I, I do use it. I just don't use it to the extent that you guys do, but maybe right. I should. I, I rely on you to do all my trip planning at yeah, this point. Yeah, what are you going to do when you travel without me? I know. I don't know. Well, you know what? I can I can recommend a good consulting service. Oh, yeah? If you go to the travelersblueprint.com, <laughs> you can actually hire me <laughs> to do your itinerary. Great. Do I get a discount? Uh, we'll talk about that offline. Friends, friends and family? Yeah, we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thank you for listening to the podcast. If you want to support us in a non-financial way, please consider giving us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. If you want to contribute in a financial way, you can donate as little as $1 a month to our cause, to our podcast, to our software, to our time, all that good stuff. Uh, but please, by no means, do not, do not donate a dollar if you can't afford to do so or don't want to. I think that's it for this week. Uh, Tune in next week and uh, thank you for being a fan of the Traveler's Blueprint.